E-commerce expansion myths blasted. Successful cross-border expansion help. Listen to the show to hear how one UK company is helping e-commerce sellers successfully expand into Europe and double their profits. Hosted by Andy Hooper of Global E-commerce experts. Uh, welcome everybody. Uh, we've got another exciting podcast uh, today here at uh, Globally Commerce Experts. We've got an amazing guest on with us, uh, one of our clients, who's going to be able to talk you through their things that, that that really really work for them and the things that you know they they might have actually in hindsight done a bit more on or or changed slightly as the process went through. Uh, with any uh, e-commerce ex- e- 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 expansion. The, the, there's always some things to learn. So so hopefully we've got a, an amazing guest on for you this afternoon who's going to be able to talk you through the the, the highs and lows uh, so that you, you, back wherever you are, are going to be able to take that information, glean that information, and, and, and make sure your e-commerce expansion is a success going forward. So I'm going to go straight into this then and, and, and just welcome Jacob. So welcome, Jacob. Thanks for having me on, Andy. Yeah, no problem at all. So, Jacob, why don't you just um, tell us a bit about you to start off with? How did you get into this e-commerce space? Yeah, no, great question. Um, it was uh, got here. Uh, our company is Zero K. We make uh, towelettes that are designed to cool you down and you off when you're hot, sweated. So great for the summer months um, or after exercising. Uh, really, anytime you're hot and sweaty. And my business partner and I came up with the idea several years ago. Um, we did a crowdfunding campaign online, raised a bunch of money on Kickstarter, and then brought the concept to life. And so we really started uh, e-commerce as a way to sell this product uh, direct to consumer online. Um, and that was sort of the impetus for starting the business, selling directly to people, and then uh, working our way up, of course, to Amazon, um, and then further expanding internationally. Yeah, amazing. So, so whereabouts in the states are you based at the moment? Yeah, we're based in uh, New York City. Okay. And uh, East Coast. And have you always been in New York City? Is, is that where you've always been? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, born and raised here. Uh, left uh, for university. Um, lived abroad for a couple of years, and then came back. Uh, was working in financial services actually for a little while, and with a few startup companies in different areas, uh, energy. Uh, and then came up with this idea, worked on the side while I was doing those other jobs and eventually started doing it full time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just want to go right back to that inception. So um, obviously, you know, I've seen the Kickstarter and we've had a few people, a few clients that have come through through Kickstarter or, or other crowd okay. funding platforms are available, I should say. Uh, so uh, I'm really keen. Where did that idea come from? How did the, the spark come between you and your, your partner? Yeah, is uh, you know one of those personal needs that were the kind of our idea originated. So uh, my business partner and I were actually we were friends, and we were also colleagues at the time. Um, and so we took a weekend vacation with a bunch of friends. Uh, we're coming back. It was a classic n- northeast uh, muggy hot summer day, where it was ninety degrees Fahrenheit, ninety uh, percent humidity, and uh, we were on a bus that didn't have any air conditioning. So. We were just sweating uh, nonstop, and we thought, wouldn't it be great to have a product that would, you know you could wipe wipe down, cool you off, clean you down, and then kind of dispose of on the go, so you didn't have to use your sleeve or you know shirt or handkerchief or you know something you know maybe a towel, a paper towel that'll stick to your head. 
Um, and so that was kind of how the idea was born. And uh, we got back uh, from the trip a couple of days later. I couldn't get the idea out of my head. And I said to him, you know, remember this thing we were discussing on the bus? Would you want to see if we could uh, make it a product? Um, and so that was sort of the origination. We went online, bought you know everything we could find that kind of fit the bill of um, something that would be similar to this and tested it out. And none of them really did the job that we were looking for. So let's say, let's see if we can make something uh, that would really scratch our itch. Yeah, I mean, that, and, that's, and that for me is, you know, that whole idea, you know, come up with the idea. And, and so between coming up with the idea and getting it onto Kickstarter, what sort of time frame you look, were you looking at? Yeah, so I think it was about a year and a half um, from the time that we, you know, first said, let's let's try to work on this till we actually formally launched the Kickstarter. So uh, neither of us were both, our backgrounds were more in business and we didn't really have that product formulation background. So it was a big learning curve of figuring out, you know, who could help us to, you know, guess the, get the first iteration of this product out um, and see if it works. So very steep learning curve, but um, we, you know, tested on ourselves with other friends and family, you know, continually tweaked it until we thought we had something pretty decent um, that we could put on Kickstarter. Yeah. So then you go on Kickstarter, got a campaign funded, which is great. So congratulations. So that is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's really, really positive. So then you, you then you did the campaign. You obviously sold, you know, uh, uh, I think you oversold on your campaign, which was great. And then you then then launched the product, so to speak. Um, I mean, I, I know you use Kickstarter to launch the product as well. But where, where did you go from there? You know, where, where were the most majority of your... Uh, campaigners from where where was it all around the world was it just the states yeah no uh, great question um majority of our backers were in the u.s though we did have a few international i think uh, a couple in europe um a couple in south america central america uh, a few in canada but i'd say probably about 85 percent were u.s based um you know of course a significant portion were friends and family and then a whole slew of other people online um, that found the product and the project and wanted to back us and you know get the first iteration of it. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So, so you did the first iteration. Then, then what was the process from there? Where did you? How did you end up on you know your own website, Amazon? You know all the other platforms that you might have might have ended up on in that time. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, actually, Kickstarter was very valuable to us because not only was it we wanted to see, okay, is this something that other people will find interesting as a product um, and want to actually put money down because that's, of course, the, the best validation if it's the idea is worthwhile or not, um, but then also be able to get that feedback directly. So, you know, if you put a product online, you sell it, it's really hard to grab that consumer again to, if, to see if they like it other than their buying pattern. Um, and sometimes people forget or, you know, so... Uh, when people support product on Kickstarter, they tend to be very passionate, very interactive, and they're willing to really give you their thoughts. Um, so it's a great way for us to solicit feedback. What can we do better? Um, so we actually took that and then spent another year redeveloping the product to incorporate all the feedback we got and uh, really kind of get it to the level we thought where we could um, have something that would be you know, much more successful. So we felt like the product was 85% of the way there, and then we wanted to get the next 15%. Um, and then, so once we kind of relaunched it, we first, of course, had it on our website. Um, we started putting it up on, on Amazon and we had a little bit of an issue initially because it was a brand new product. There was no, it wasn't like we we're selling Kleenexes. 
and you know we just click on the Kleenex product and you know create our own listing. Um, so you had to have meet certain criteria in order to get on. And since you know we literally had just launched it, we didn't have all the uh, previous purchase orders and the other history. Uh, exactly. Um, I think we, we got a little lucky. I think it was someone from Amazon a couple weeks later contacted us and said, oh, I work with you know small companies to try to onboard them onto Amazon. And, and uh, that was what enabled us to, to get going, um, working with them. And you know, they provided a little bit of support. And uh, this, I guess, was back in 2016 or so. And um, you know, obviously, now Amazon's a much different piece with advertising and everything else. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, so you was on Amazon for a, a couple of years, really, building that brand awareness. And so when did you expand, first expand into the UK? Yeah, so we, let me think. So I guess it was uh, basically a year ago, um, a little bit more. So I think it was Amazon sent out an email, hey, we're helping you know businesses expand to, to the UK. And, uh, or actually it was to Europe, like European expansion. Um, your product seems like it'd be great. There was a webinar they had, and then um, after that webinar, they would say we'll set you up with a specialist that will help you know walk you through that process, and we'll be a support uh, person to make sure your product's successful. Um, so it's kind of like an evaluation, and then helping provide the steps so we can get there. Yeah. Okay. So so they then helped with those various steps and and the various processes. Um, and obviously that's how you, we ended up you, you working together, I suppose. You, you came over and, and we were part of that process, which was great. Um, so, so in between that, you know, I want to go to Europe to get into Europe. What were the things that you, you, that you came across that, you know, was relatively straightforward to start off with? Yeah. So, you know, it was interesting. As I mentioned, our process to start selling in Europe, it wasn't previously like part of our business plan or part of our, you know, thinking, okay, in 2000, you know, 17, 18, end of 17, early 18, we want to plan to move to Europe. It was, okay, this opportunity got presented to us. Maybe let's try to take it. It seemed like the window was relatively short based on what we were being told from Amazon in terms of providing support for that. Um, you know, so I think typically when we look into expand, making any sort of expansion or, you know, spending any amount of capital or providing, um, you know, for research, we're going to put in an issue to do our due diligence and really do as much research as possible to see is this something that's going to be successful? Is the time and energy going to be worthwhile? Um, we didn't quite do that with Amazon because we thought, okay, we kind of have this infrastructure, we have this support person. It seemed to work well initially when we first got up and running. So, why not do it? It's, you know, population-wise will be, maybe we can achieve similar sales levels to uh, the U.S. Um, so it was a little kind of haphazard in that way and just just trying to take that opportunity. Um, I think early on, you know, working with you guys is pretty relatively straightforward um, in terms of going through that process to, uh, w- you know, worry about all the taxes and regulations and uh, which, you know, I think if we didn't have that, there, there would have been, you know, clearly uh, just not move forward with the process at that stage. Um, you know, it's already enough to have to worry about those things in the U.S. And then uh, when you're not local and uh, you don't know all that information, you don't have someone on the ground, um, you know, it becomes too much of a headache. Yeah, well, that, that, and that's quite that's quite a typical sort of thing that people say is that, 
yeah, from a VAT point, I look, you just sort it out, it's easier. You know, I, I get yeah. that. Um, it is one of those, yeah, look, you crack on, fella, because I just don't need that hassle right now. Let me yeah. worry about selling my product. That's the key thing for me. Uh, and I yeah. think that's what, you know, it's the same similar conversation, obviously, we have a lot of, with a lot of people, um, which is amazing. So, so you you managed to bring the product over. What were the what were the more challenging parts of, of the expansion? What were the things that you perhaps didn't consider or didn't think of or Amazon didn't tell you or what were those sort of things? Yeah, so it's a great question. You know, part of, we actually, it was, became a big challenge um, getting up and running on Amazon um, and that created a big headache for us initially and a lot of time and energy. So the person we were working with, you know, said, made all these claims, oh, we're going to help you launch. We're going to provide this support. I mean, you know, take data from, you know, similar kind of companies and use that to help you create uh, advertising campaigns. I'm going to work with you for a full year. And as soon as our listings went live, that person just disappeared. There was no email. There was no nothing like you're ready to go. Um, our listings were up. They weren't accurate. So we had all these errors. They weren't showing up or, you know, information was inaccurate and, he wasn't available to help us. The kind of the tools that we uploaded it weren't really working, um, and so it took us several months to really get the listings correct and accurate for all the markets. Um, and then, of course, we didn't have any of that support that we thought we were going to have, which you know, really changed the calculus for us. Of you know, if we knew it was just going to be getting up and running yourself, and then that was it, we maybe would not have moved forward with the initiative because we had seen kind of how that success had helped um, initially getting up on Amazon and creating visibility where your brand new product, your small um and so i think that that was an issue um that created a lot of challenges yeah yeah so and i just want to pick up on some of those bits so so what you said about the the different marketplaces so have you translated all your products into what i'd call native tongue rather than just a google translate for those products yeah no we've only done uh the former so it's really just you know google translate that's what the person at amazon was saying oh you know you don't need it yeah google translate works fine um uh, I can, you know, have someone internally that kind of takes a review of it, uh, which I don't, not really sure really occurred either. <laughs> and then, of course, if you want to tweak things over time, you don't really have that. Um, if you're just, if you don't have a native uh, speaker to make those translations into French or uh, Spanish or German, um, Italian, etc. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's, you know, that that I think, uh, you, I mean, to be fair, Google Translate is a pretty decent tool to use. Um, it's it's very straightforward. It's very easy, and you know, some people take it to the next level and do translations, and others don't, and, and right. that's that's absolutely fine. Uh, everyone's got a, you know, everyone's product is slightly different as well in, in those different in those different countries. So, okay, so so then there was that side. So, what about the market itself? You know, how would you describe the market? What are the differences in the market? You know, how do you see that your products perhaps sell slightly different or, you know, the, the terminology is different? Any sort of knowledge there that's been useful? Yeah, you know, I think what's uh, that's been one of the challenges, of course, is figuring out, you know, how something, you know, the terminology, even if it's translated one way, what people react to and, you know, what it's seen as in the local marketplace. Um uh, and so I think that's been a little bit of a challenge figuring out, okay, what are the buzzwords or how would someone uh, in Spain who's looking up our product, you know, that could be different than, you know, of course, being in the United States closer to Mexico and Spanish speakers in Mexico, how, you know, they'd refer to it or try to look it up. Um, uh, even in the UK, of course, um, 
job can be a little different where, you know, here, just not a non-product example, but of course the lift versus an elevator. So if you're marketing elevator <laughs> uh, components, you know, you'd have a tough time selling it if you're using a U.S. terminology um, in terms of English. So I think, yeah, that has been a challenge and it's something, you know, kind of continue to try to work on and tweak over time. Um, you know, I as you're kind of alluding to, when you have five different markets, even cumulatively, if they equal a similar size population, you know, there's a lot more management that you really have to do if you want to be successful. Um, and then so we kind of like have noticed over time, we get more sales in the UK. Uh, probably, of course, I'm sure it has some part to do with uh, the language differences um, or lack of language differences versus like uh, Italy, we've kind of sold less and maybe more in Germany as well. So, uh, and maybe that's also just population differences. Um, but, you know, that's something probably where we think early on we should have focused on maybe one or two markets rather than after all of it, every country um, and to really slowly hone in, you know, get good um, traction and then kind of continue to hit the next one um, where, you know, things like that you don't really consider in the U.S., yeah, yeah, well, you're right. I mean, as you say, the, the market size, the Europe versus North America is pretty similar in size, but you've got five markets inside one, really. Um, and yeah. and, they're, and they are all slightly different. And you're right, the, the, the terminology is different, you know, just from the States to the UK. The, the elevator is a, is a great example of that. You know, it's just those, except we tend to know those a little bit easier because, you know, we, we hear them all the time. We make a bit of fun out of it quite often. So that that's sort of how it goes, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's really key. So perhaps perhaps launching the markets one by one would work really really well for some people as they as they sort of build up their experience and knowledge in those markets. Would you think? Would you suggest that going forwards if you was to do it again? Yeah, I think so. I think to do it again definitely would approach it that way. Um, you know, one of the things that we do a lot of in the U.S. is uh, is trying to use social media. Um, as a mechanism for driving online sales or awareness. And so, of course, it works similarly in Europe, where if you're, you know, reaching out to people that are influencers in the category where you're selling, in our case, uh, like probably more uh, athleisure or athletics or sport or exercise, you know, you want to find those people. And, you know, you're going to have even big ones that are have more global appeal are still going to have you know, the largest concentration from wherever a country or their home market tends to be. Um, so you're going to get more bang for your buck by, you know, working with finding those people, sending them samples, um, you know, telling them, hey, we're now on Amazon UK. So if anyone wants to buy, you know, it's obviously much more affordable than it would be buying from our website and then having to pay for shipping uh, from the U.S. And then, of course, you have the two-day shipping uh, if they're prime members, which is, of course, great. So, um, you know, using that as a mechanism to, to start to create interest and drive sales uh, locally. Um, you probably would be more effective than just you know doing it mass and then trying to hit every single market and uh, um, get hoping to be successful. You know, you go after everyone, you get no one. So uh, that's you know really focusing. I think is always uh, something we found is the way to you know be successful more generally. Um, and I think that applies the same thing if you're expanding internationally. Yeah, yeah, quite right. Yeah, I totally get it. And so from a shipping point of view, where do your products come from? Are you bringing your products in from the States or are you bringing them from Asia somewhere? How does that work at the moment? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward for us. We actually manufacture in the U.S. Um, and so we ship from the U.S. to, to the U.K. 
And uh, since we do FBA, you know that, that that part's actually very straightforward, pretty easy for us, which is which is nice. Um, and then uh, the volumes we're doing tend to just do air freight, so um, we're not doing pallets and pallets. So again, you know the time is uh, makes it easy uh, in terms of getting it to market. And it's not a heavy product, is it? Uh, right. Yeah, it's very light. I mean, they're they're small, uh, you know, paper non-woven towelettes, so you know, very light. Um, and uh, you know, you can get a decent amount of a volume into several large uh, cartons. Yeah, and so from a marketing point of view, what sort of additional marketing did you do? Did you did you focus more in on the on the social media side? Have you focused on pay per click Amazon? What's the sort of focus that you went down? Yeah, I think we've mostly concentrated on the social media, so like sending samples and trying to get people to you know raise awareness about the product locally, and then also of course uh, advertising on Amazon. Um, that's just kind of have to be doing that, I think, regardless of you know, your product, because the, uh, the way Amazon works, it's a virtuous cycle of more interest, you know, higher visibility, higher ranking. And um, even if you're not doing it, your you know, closest competitor is and, um, you know, you're just going to end up falling down the charts. So uh, it seems I think that seems to be one of the most effective ways, especially those two combined. So it creates external interest and then internal interest from people that are just looking around for comparable products. Yeah, fantastic. And so, so yeah, for other people looking to expand, what would you? What's the one single piece of advice that you would give to them? You know, look, if you're going to expand, this is what you should do, or this is the piece. This is the one thing to focus in on. Yeah, you know, I think the the of course the number one thing would be make sure that your business is at that point where you know for for us we, it was an opportunistic initiative and rather than i think uh, if looking at it again rather than looking at it opportunistically look at it does this make sense for the business right now why and then making sure that this is something that's going to be successful in the markets you're bringing it to um and you know if you do that uh, the legwork on that then you'll probably have a decent chance of success and then of course the rest is just getting the word out um, but I think that's the most important aspect is really make sure that you have the focus. It makes sense to do it at that point in time for your business and you're going to put the resources behind it because if you're not going to, then it's not going to be successful, of course. So it can't be a, the secondary it has to be a you know, primary and initiative. And I think that's really key, isn't it? It has to be at your forefront. It's not something you can just do as a, oh, let's just do this on the side and just trickle it. You have to really focus on it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, you really have to focus on it. Um, just like, you know, put the resources behind it. You're not going to have any success. You know, you have to just, it's kind of like winning a lottery, just it is, you know, wherever anyone starts their business and sells their products, it wasn't, you know, most people, they don't just put a, a website online and then get millions of, uh, of, of sales, you know, in the first few months. They've done something that kind of drives that traction or uh, creates that success. So you kind of have to replicate that wherever you're going. Sometimes the tactics are a little different, of course. You know, some people in certain countries don't use Instagram as much for they use Facebook. But, you know, you figure out where um, how people, you know, use their time online and how you can market to them more effectively. Yeah, I mean, in the world of social media, we're very, very fortunate where, you know, the cost of ads on Facebook, social, on Instagram, you know, is, yeah, it's perfect. You know, it, it just yeah. gives us, it just gives us an advantage. You know, people don't, so yeah, that's amazing. So is there any sort of support and resources that you wish were available when you were expanding that would have really been useful um, that either you've seen now or, you know, we still wish that, you know, that, oh, well, this would have been really useful. 
Yeah, so one thing that I think is useful now is we're using uh, an ad optimizing company for Amazon um, sponsored uh, products. So being able to have, you know, that's something that's an automatically kind of runs in the background so we don't have to kind of check the keywords so that, you know, you set up an automatic campaign, they find the ones that work the best for you. Uh, create new campaigns for you, and then um, that also helps you tweak your listing over time. Um, so that we've kind of started working with now uh, that we had initially, which I think would have been helpful um, early on. Uh, so that's definitely one. And then, um, you know, maybe uh, just being a little bit more aggressive and focusing on the markets. So it's not really a tool, it's more of an actual um, strategy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I think that's been really, really useful. Um, and I'm sure that everyone else listening would have got a huge amount from it. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or get in touch with the brand, um, how can they do that? Yeah. So you could uh, visit us online at zero uh, kwipes.com. So that's Z R O the letter K and then W I P E S.com starts our website. We have a form there. You can email us at info at zero kwipes.com and then, uh, of course, check us out on social media. So Facebook page, uh, Zero K Wipes, and then uh, also on Instagram at Zero K Wipes. Uh, so we, we get all those. So we can find you all over social media, all over there. I mean, I, I, you know, really, that's been super useful for me listening to your story and what you've been through, and, and some great ideas there for for other people coming through on what they could do and and how they could do it to help make it a success. So I just want to say thank you very much for your time. I know it's really, really precious. So um, I, I really, really appreciate it, uh, especially from another you know, halfway around the world. You've you've given your time. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. So thank you very much. Is there anything else you'd like to say at the end to help people out or to move forwards? No, I just want to thank you for having me on. It's been great working with uh, uh, you guys. And, you know, you're not every company that you have uh, kind of the hands-on support or interest in customer feedback. And I think, you know, from our own experience about how we like to run our business, always trying to solicit customer feedback and do better. So anything that's a good universal business practice to have, especially for e-commerce, um, you know, we're really putting an emphasis on, uh, on customer service and, you know, listening to the customer. So I think that's always good advice regardless, you know, even if you're selling an Amazon, you know, sending feedback forms to people and, um, you know, really understanding, you know, their issues with the product or listing or whatever it may be to, to constantly do better. So, um, but, you know, especially working with, with other people who care about their customers, it's, 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 it's good and makes a big difference. Great. Yeah. Well, well, once again, thank you very much. You know, it's been super, super appreciated. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it for this episode. You can check out the next episode, um, which will be coming very, very soon. Uh, there's more coming on Brexit. You'll all be pleased to know about that because obviously that's a big question at the moment. And we'll have another one of those coming very soon. And that's it from us for the moment. And uh, we'll catch you again next time. <laughs>